The Rebrand Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, and I Hear Everything production. This podcast tells the stories of world-changing marketing campaigns as told by the people who build them. In each episode, you'll hear a brilliant marketer talk through the strategy, framework, and tactics used to elevate their brands to new heights. Ready to hear untold stories behind the brands you love? Then sit back, relax, and get ready for the Rebrand Here's the host of the Rebrand Podcast, the CEO of the Harky Group, Scott Harkey. All right, welcome to Rebrand Podcast. As you know, we tell untold stories of world-changing brand campaigns as told by the marketers who built them. I'm your host and founder of the Harkey Group, Scott Harkey. And today we're going to hear about how empathy-based marketing can increase engagement and help brands resonate with their audience on a deeper level. I'm super excited today. We've got a great guest, Emily Lyman who's the CEO at Branch and Bramble, which is a digital marketing agency for lifestyle brands, working with industry leaders like Paramount, Patagonia, and Penguin Random House. They're an award-winning agency that combines data and creativity to develop out-of-the-box marketing programs that convert. I always love hearing like the agency's elevator pitch because I always struggle with mine. But man, we're going to talk about a brand that we've talked about and pretty much every brand marketer brings up. They're like, Patagonia, Patagonia. So we're actually going to talk about Patagonia and we're going to talk about how Patagonia increased traffic through empathy-based marketing. Look, you talked to some of the best marketers, one of my favorite creatives, Frank Hippolyte, shout out to Frank. Empathy is the number one tools for marketers to be successful. I, I couldn't agree more. So I want to dive into this, but I'm also a guy and I'm also hardheaded and I also think I have empathy when maybe I don't. So let's get into it. Here's my conversation with Emily Lyman, the CEO of Branch and Bramble. What's going on, Emily? Not much. Thanks for having me on, Scott. I'm super excited to be here. Yay. Where, so where are you from? You, we were talking earlier and you got your hands full with a, a million things, your house renovating and a million other things we discussed, but where are you calling in from and maybe a brief background on kind of your history in the marketing business? Yeah, absolutely. So my husband and I just moved full-time to the Western Catskills of New York and decided to buy a bed and breakfast <laughs> along with running our own marketing, <laughs> running a marketing company and as you said, renovating and all that really fun stuff. So, and are you expecting your first child? Can I say that on the podcast? You can, you can say that. Yes. Yep. Six months along. Um, yeah, we're both terrified and, and excited of course, but you know, throw that into everything. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, a little bit of background about me. I actually started in finance, weirdly enough, investment banking, all that jazz, decided I hated it, moved on to marketing and worked with some top global enterprise companies, Penguin Random House, SAP, really kind of throwing in all of the the different mixes, WeWork, et cetera, and then decided to strike out on my own because what does everyone think of when they when they strike out on their own? They're like, I can do that better. <laughs> and, then, and then they get into it and then they figure it out and they're like, wait, 
what that's did I why, get myself into? That's why I got in the agent. I'm like, oh my gosh, as we're going to see, I'm like, I can do this better. Screw you. But like that, you're on the right path. That's how you get into this crazy, crazy world. Okay. So work with big brands and now branching off on your own, obviously. And let's talk about Patagonia. Let's just, I guess, jump right into it. Why do they understand empathy better than others? Because we're their marketing agency. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what is empathy? What is empathy-based marketing? You know, we see a lot of people get it wrong. We see some great campaigns, but I'd love to hear just like, you know, we're in a bar and we're we're riffing here. Obviously not right now at this time in your life, but at a different time. Riff me on like your empathy-based marketing. Like help me understand how does it apply to Patagonia? So I like to start off because there's empathy-based marketing and then there's empathy, right? And and there's actually a little bit of difference between the two because empathetic marketing goes a little bit deeper down into maybe what other marketing schools of thought have and think. So, right, so neuroscientist Antonio Damasio, he shared, we are not thinking machines that feel, rather we are feeling machines that think. So we actually cannot make a decision if we cannot feel. So empathetic marketing, it really recognizes, understands, and appeals to the role that emotions have in the decision-making process. And then that, of course, you take that framework, you build out your customer journeys, your experiences to improve all the, I'm going to say the buzzwords, lingo, lead quality, improve conversion rates, all of that jazz, right? But what has recently come into play is that before we would say, oh, we're doing empathetic marketing. We're talking about our customers' emotions. We know their interests and what they want and how they buy things. However, the missing piece that is now being added is our values. And so I'm tying this into Patagonia because this is going to be a really, trust me, I'm getting there. (laughs) But you have your right psychographics, demographics, you have your emotions, and now you underlay all of that with values. So in what we call the high impact buying motivators, and there are nine of them and I can go into them, those emotions, like I wanna stand out from the crowd, I wanna feel a sense of freedom, does it help me be the person I wanna be? All of those emotions are driven by values. And Patagonia really understands what the core underlying values of their consumers are so that they can I'm not going to say like trigger them, right? But they tailor all of their marketing comms down to very specific words, down to very specific phrases, down to how they orchestrate entire marketing campaigns to appeal directly to those values. So it's like, uh, we're going to skip the interest in psychographics on some level and just go straight to the values that we know our consumers care about. I love the quote you said about we're feeling machines that think. And who's, who was said that quote? That I mean, obviously, we know emotion drives marketing backed up by logic, but I haven't heard it in, in that frame before. Who said that quote? The neuroscientist Antonio Damasio. Antonio Damasio. I'm going to have to look that up. Okay, so let me make sure I'm listening and I understand what you're saying and, and maybe kind of repeat this back a little bit. So, and, and maybe we can see how far away I am from exactly what uh, your process is. But what it sounds like is a lot of us marketers are putting together customer journeys and campaign driven marketing around certain attributes or things that we, we think are important to the audience 
But the way you're looking at it is, and why Patagonia is set up for so much success, is that their values are so clear from the get-go that when you start to put messaging together from an audience perspective, which certainly I believe in, that it's able to not use the term trigger, but it's able to relate in a deeper meeting empathetically. And, and your process takes maybe customer journey from an empathetic point of view and it matches them kind of to the values. Can you help me understand maybe the process a little bit more and how it's maybe different than maybe you've seen other campaign or brand processes? I mean, like for us, like it's like, okay, here's the customer, here's the brand, here's the competition. And in the middle is this campaign platform that we're developing. It's really based on attributes and human truths from an audience perspective, right? Help me understand maybe the tweak in which you see the world and your agency sees the world. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the biggest thing there to define and clarify is that oftentimes the brand purpose is not always the same as the consumer's values. And so oftentimes companies will take their own values and they say, this is what we stand for. This is what we think our customers want. So we're going to talk about our brand. We're going to talk about the products. We're going to talk about this, this, and this, but they're actually too self-focused. So marketers in general, and there have also been studies that show the more empathetic marketers believe they are, the worse they did at predicting their customers' emotional responses. <laughs> we think we're much more, maybe as human beings too, we think we're much more empathetic than we probably are. Yeah, we're, we're all- Exactly. Yeah. How, how's it about me kind of deal? Yes. Exactly. And that, that leads to like internal biases, right? Or implicit, explicit biases that we all have. But the good news is once marketers- are brought that once that's brought to the marketers attentions and they're like, Oh yes. Okay. I've got these implicit. I have these explicit implicit biases. Now I'm going to retool my thinking. That is where they go. Oh, okay. So I actually have to put myself in the consumer's headspace. And I, and I'm sorry, I, I keep, I keep digressing, but I want to get back to your original question, which is like, right. How the process differs and what the little tweak is that we make. And that is those values when companies actually dive in and do research to find the underlying values of their consumers. And it's not, it's not, I value sustainability or I value the environment. It gets down to 56 core human values. So once companies actually do the work to understand what those values are of their consumers, then they can rework their marketing to speak to it, but they can't do it if it's their, their self self focused on the brand. Okay. That was super helpful because when I hear values, I hear brand values, right? And you're talking about consumer customer values. And you're talking about there's what you said, there are 56 different consumer values. And so you necessarily as a brand, cause I think of when, when you say brand values or when you say values or purpose, I'm like, okay, we've got to do basically like a brand workshop and we got to get stakeholder alignment and we're mission, vision, values and all that kind of stuff. And even if we're not changing the company's mission, vision, values, but even from a campaign standpoint, understanding attributes of values of a company from a consumer base, you're like, screw all that. Let's just go straight to who, what, right? Which is great because that's a lot of freaking work and a lot of alignment, a lot of tough meetings and very expensive. And whether you're a, an ad agency and, and you do that kind of work or you're like a branding agency that gives the book to the 
ad agency that I figure out, which I'm not a fan of, obviously, but there's some that do amazing work in this space. But you're saying, screw all that. What are the consumer values and how do we align a, a brand platform through that or, or brand messaging? Like, okay, I, I understand what you're saying now. That, that's great. That's different than probably what I've heard. And you obviously have different consumer segments. So how does that work? And then how is the brand being then? The brand's then, I guess, through that process, getting more empathetic because it understands the consumer values. Exactly. So I'm going to do an example here, (laughs) right? And if anybody wants to look at what those 56 core human values are that studies have been done on them, you can go to Value Graphics. It's a company. They have spent many, many years looking into these core human values. So when you look at, let's take Patagonia and North Face as an example, right? So two companies in the same sector, they're going after the same share of voice, and you're thinking they're pretty significant competitors, right? I, I no. would think so, but I, I do know that that North Face is part of, I think, VFW out of Denver, who owns a bunch of like like 15 different brands. They own like fans, they own a bunch of different shit. So yeah, obviously their stuff looks the same, but yeah, obviously Patagonia on another level. But I got to be honest, I feel like Patagonia, because of such an eccentric owner and an amazing human being and someone that is so bold in terms of his vision and what they care about and really not preaching things, but like practicing what you preach kind of. So I feel like maybe his boldness is a big reason for Patagonia's success, but I know there's so much more, which is why I'm excited to have you on the show. I mean, he donated all his money. What did he donate all his money? I don't even know, but I know it was freaking bold as shit. Like, I mean, he gave away his company, right? Yeah, basically. Okay, now I'm turning the company over to this trust. Over to this journalist. Yeah, so, it's like save the yeah. planet for real shit. I was like, whoa, okay. Like this yeah. is this is for real. So, but obviously they've been on this path and there's other things down channel more than, you know, the owner. Like, so that, that's what I'm curious about. I don't know. I went off on a tangent there. But. <laughs> no, <laughs> tangents are great. I love tangents. And, and when you look at it, a lot of people, I think from a marketing perspective, we can see the difference between that type of difference between North Face and Patagonia. But when you drill down to it, people are like, well, but what's the actual difference between the consumers? They're outdoor people. They like their fleece lined sweaters. Yeah, it's yeah. all good. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. Um, fair, fair point. I'm like thinking into like company, like ownership and structure, but like on the face, they're same products, basically same consumer. They're both sold at REI, yeah. most likely. Right. But when you look at the consumer values, that is also where you see huge differences. So mm. for example, Patagonia customers value personal responsibility. In this case, that could be spelled environmentalism, right? Mm -hmm. They value loyalty. They value security, both personal and employment. They value experiences. Now, when you look at North Face, and this is the studies that were done on these consumers, right? They value creativity, self-expression, financial security, and possessions. So, Mm -hmm. right, where you have the Patagonia consumer who's like, oh, tell me what I can do to save the environment, Tell me how I can have these amazing experiences. And then North Face is looking at, oh, I want the next big thing when it comes out, et cetera, et cetera. Which really plays into the probably the self-expressive benefits of a brand, right? So he wears Patagonia, she wears Patagonia, I wear Patagonia. That says something about our values, right? That. Mm -hmm. But I love how you're diving in. This is is fantastic. You're, You're basically diving in 
everything from a consumer point of view, which you should be. But the competition in terms of like my little elementary branding chart of the consumer, the competition, the brand, it's all around the consumer's values. Each consumer value, right. not around the consumer products, not around the, the ads in the market, not around the positioning, but around the, everything's around the consumer values. That makes mm-hmm. sense? Exactly. Yeah. So the North Face guy, <laughs> you know, that, that's at his country club wearing the North Face, he's proud of that and how much that cost, and maybe he's getting out of a BMW or whatever. Okay, got it. And the Patagonia customer, obviously, completely different. Right. And so then when you take these values, Then when you get down into the nitty gritty and we have basically a scorecard, right, where you score your marketing communications and your marketing campaigns on five different levels of empathy. And I'll just take it because I know we we this podcast isn't doesn't we don't have a ton of time. But when you look at, say, a Patagonia social media post and let's say it talks about Patagonia publishes books. Did you know that? Actually, I did not know that. No, I knew Red Bull <laughs> so fun. as a magazine, but I did not know Patagonia had books. Fun fact, they, they publish books. Okay. So say on Patagonia's social media, they post an author event, right? And they talk about, okay, come see this author, sign his book. And at this time, blah, 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 right? What part of that even translates to any of their customer values of experiences, personal responsibility, loyalty, security, nothing. Hmm. But when you take that same post and you layer on those values and now you take, oh, okay, so they value experiences. They, it means they want to feel a sense of thrill or they want to explore something. All right, we're going to say this author is going to talk about is climbing worth dying for and how he was the first man to survive without oxygen above a certain point while climbing. Come see and hear about his life experiences. Mm. Just a small change like that, over 5% more engagement like on social media for one post, right? And so then you take that and that's how you relayer your marketing comms to not be brand focused, but to be consumer value focused. Wow. Okay. We literally, how Patagonia increased traffic through empathy-based marketing. (laughs) That's it. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to dive in more to this. If you like what we're talking about, which I'm geeking out on, we're going to come right back. Of course, we're going to talk a little bit why influencers are becoming racehorse owners, which is the other title, whatever. But I, I want to dive more into this empathy-based consumer approach. I think it's genius. And I want to dive more into that. And I, I think there's more we need to touch on with Patagonia, honestly. So we'll get to the why influencers are becoming racehorse owners. But we're going to dive in more. So you branding geeks out there, uh, come back tomorrow. And we're going to come right back on with Emily couple little show notes, things I'm going to bounce through these pretty quickly, quicker than normal. Thanks to Emily Lyman, CEO of Branch and Bramble for joining us. In part two of this interview, technically, we're going to talk about why influencers are becoming racehorse owners, but we're also going to dive more into what we've been talking about because I think it's freaking fascinating. You can find Emily on X, I guess it's called now, not Twitter. It's uh, at Emily Lyman, L-Y-M-A-N, and that's E-M-I-L-Y-L-Y-M-A-N, or company website, Branch and Bramble. Dot com branch and bramble.com man i love the 56 value thing what was that again emily can you t- say that website because i'm gonna go geek on that real quick too yeah it's value graphics.com 
Okay. Valuegraphics.com. Do you want to go see those, the, the 56 value chart? I, I know I want to see it. Again, everything you want is on rebrandpod.com. Episodes and guest information and, you know, we'll put LinkedIn contact info and all that fun stuff. The big thing for us is just we want subscribers. If, if you want to be part of this marketing community and we truly view it as a marketing community, subscribe. I'm hearing close to 7,000 today, which is to me, the big KPI isn't downloads. It isn't like vanity metrics, rankings, although we, we have been consistently ranked top 50 in business, which is insane, but it's all for you guys and all from you guys. So just, I'm, I can't appreciate it enough. Again, our handle, or at least my handle, we're not doing rebrand, rebrand pod handle stuff. We're focused on podcasts, but you can find me. It's just at Scott Harkey, pretty much anywhere. That's it for today. We're going to come right back. Uh, remember, it's never too late to rebuild reboot or rebrand, or I will add to be more empathetic and to understand your consumers' empathy and values, which is insane. So let's bring it right back. 